Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. I'm Doug Taylor, and I'm joined by Dr. Dave Vance, lead pastor of Crossroads Church. This podcast is designed to help you go deeper in God's Word and to grow deeper in life application. This podcast series, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and today we're specifically talking about anger. And I saw the title, it said, <laughs> are you mad, bro? Where did that title come from? <laughs> you know, if you're <laughs> mad, bro. Uh, here, here's a little quiz for you. Uh, if you're a sports fan, you know where that comes from. It was, uh, in fact, Doug, I'm surprised you don't know because your wife, Kelly, is uh, is is a big Boston yeah. And, and specifically New England Patriots fan. And uh, it was actually came out 2012, a uh, NFC championship game. Uh, it, Richard Sherman and the Seattle Seahawks stopped Tom Brady. And after the game, Richard Sherman, who was, the of course, a safety, came to uh, Tom Brady. And the cameras picked, it up, say, picked him up saying, are you mad, bro? <laughs> right to his face. And so that became a meme. And all of a sudden there's these memes. So it actually came from football um, when the New England Patriots actually lost. And it was Seattle Seahawks that, uh, that got them. That, that, yeah, that's cool. Let's do a little question, for, okay. a little questions for you about uh, what gets you angry. Yeah. Like what's angrier for you? So what would be angrier for you, Pastor Dave Vance, car trouble or a new appliance that you get home, take it out of the box, plug it in and it doesn't work? Wow. Um, <laughs> both make me pretty angry. You know, appliance, I, I feel like when you have an appliance, you got to get it back. You got to, you know, figure it out. That would make me angry. How about you? I'm asking you the question. Okay, okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, everything makes me angry. Okay. Everything. Of uh, spilling ranch dressing on your shirt at a restaurant or being hounded by a salesperson at a store. Um, you know, I have a little sympathy and, and empathy for salespeople. I think they're, they're just doing their job. When I spill, and in my family, I am the messy one. I spill at restaurants. If I spill ranch on my shirt, I am like, ah, oh, frustrated. I don't know if I'm angry. I'm more frustrated. Uh, the salesperson who bugs me doesn't, they're supposed to do that. Right. So, How about uh, being joked about or teased or someone making a mistake and blaming it on you? Oh, I I would. That makes me angry when someone makes a mistake and then blames because then you have to clean up the mess behind that. That that angers me. Make fun of me all you want, but don't do that. Yeah. Let's do one more. Uh, The Maryland Terrapins basketball team losing or your power going out for two days? Oh, that's a tough one. And that is, uh, thankfully, the Maryland Terps basketball, don't, they don't lose very often. But uh, yeah, that, that angers me quite a bit. Like, it, it bothers me, but then I get over it. Um, two days without power, that would certainly bother me. I don't know if I'd be angry about it. Um, my, I know my wife, Allison, she would make an adventure out of it, and she would make it all fun. And so it, probably I'd be angry at the Maryland Terps losing, as sad as that is to say. We know that anger equals control, and I see that in, in my life. Um, when I get the angriest, it's something that I can't control or have trouble controlling it. And being a basketball coach for 10-plus years, varsity boys basketball, I got angry sometimes. I mean, just stirred up on the inside at the refs, at the, refs, at the, at the boys that weren't obeying, that weren't doing what we wanted to have done on the court. And, and that anger, because you want to control the situation. You want to control what's happening. Uh, do you see that as well? Anger's, anger equals control? Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about the, the evolution of anger because I think that's, that's really uh, where, where we find that the most. And, uh, you know, 
much of life, as you mentioned, is really marked by anger from families to friendships to business partners to even the church world. Much of our decisions are based upon things that make us happy or angry or upset or or good or joy-filled or whatever it may be. And so these emotions we have really play a part in defining and marking our lives for purpose. And so when we talk about anger, um, anger is an issue. It's a huge issue. In fact, uh, I was reading an article by the New York Times called Why Are Americans So Angry? And it said that 69% of Americans in a poll they did said they were somewhat or are very likely to be angry or, or are angry at some point, somewhat or highly angry. And so that 69%, that means seven out of every 10 people would consider themselves angry right now. And so we have an anger problem. And, and the reason for that is the way anger, and you just mentioned anger evolves. Um, anger is a, an, a, it's a secondary emotion, meaning it, it, you don't just sit there and become angry. It, it happens slowly. Something causes it. It has to have a cause. And, and so it could be fear, it could be a circumstance, it could be a person, it could be a frustrating moment, what, whatever it is, something causes anger. And in that moment, it's, it's what we do with anger that matters most. And, and I think for, for most people, especially in our culture, that's where the problem lies is, is what anger does. And anger should be an informant. What I mean by that is it should inform us something's wrong. Instead, what does anger do? Anger actually starts to control. And you mentioned it, it starts to control us. And it it bypasses our faculties that say, pause, calm down, take a breath, think about this. It bypasses that and just drops into control. And in that moment of control, we now manipulate. We now get, get, get frustrated openly. We begin to say things we're going to regret later. We begin to react instead of act with purpose. And that's what happens. It controls us. It hijacks the process. Let's talk about how we see anger uh, personified in our culture today. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can see it everywhere. Uh, n- not only on the uh, on the sports scale, certainly there's anger, but, but we see it in, in the political world, in the cultural, societal world. Um, we are just angry people. And so we've almost made the cause of life be focused on the anger we feel. And so all of a sudden, if you're not angry about something in our culture, it means you don't have a purpose or a cause. And that's dangerous because what ends up happening is you're looking for something to make you angry instead of looking for the things that are going to help us along for purpose. And so when I look at our society, I actually think anger has become a definition of where we're at and it's personified in every area, politically, socially, economically, the way we respond to each other, our workplaces, all of a sudden anger really does personify itself as purpose. That's weird. I mean, to think that anger becomes what our purpose is, Uh, what we're angry about never should become our purpose. It should be our warning. And yet it's become our purpose. I know you and I were talking about some research that I saw that talked about um, outrage and how outrage actually makes us feel better about ourselves in a weird way. Yeah. And, and a lot of the cable news programs, uh, whatever one you're listening to, they major in outrage. They, they set up the, you know, the teasers about what it's going to be to get you stirred up and angry about the other political party or something going on. And they're selling that outrage. We see it all over in our culture. You know, and it's funny, even as you you say that, you know, some, some that'll be watching or listening in that moment will say, well, it's them. And, and, and that's what they do, right? Is, is the whole, we talk about the uh, social media and the news world. You're, you're so right. And that article talked about 
if if we feel like we have a cause, we get angry about it. And instead, the cause should motivate us to do something. That's the problem is anger never motivates us to do anything. We just complain about it. And so you're right. Somebody probably hears this or sees this and says, yeah, it's them. They think that way. It's not, uh, you know, not my side of the coin or whatever, my side of the aisle. Um, but no, it's on every side that we see anger as a motivator for purpose. So why is anger a problem anyway? We've talked a lot about it. We can recognize it and see it. But why is it a problem? Why can't I just be angry when I want to be angry? Well, you know, ang- what anger does is it begins to take control of the of the situation. It begins it begins to manipulate, and that's where Jesus talks about it. We find it in the Bible. Not a lot of it is mentioned about anger. Uh, a lot of verses in the Proverbs, but not a lot in the New Testament. But when it does come up, it, it's eye opening. It really speaks to this problem that we face. And here in Matthew chapter five, we we see Jesus addressing, talking about the kingdom. He addresses the illustration of what the law says about murder with anger, and so. So uh, just to kind of highlight some of these things, he says, you have heard that it was said in to those of old, you shall not, you shall not murder. Uh, and wherever murders, murders happen, they'll be liable to judgment. What I say to you is that everyone who, who has anger in his heart toward his brother is a murderer as well. And, that, and that, what Jesus is doing is taking the law and he's elevating it to to bring a point out that really this idea of murder really stems from the heart. And that's, I think what Jesus is trying to paint is a picture that says murder, murder really begins with a heart of heart of anger. It really begins as a seed. And that seed is a seed we all feel. While for most of us, we would never say, I'm going to murder somebody. You know, most of us actually equate good with that, with the fact that we don't murder somebody. You ask somebody if they're a good person. Well, I've never murdered somebody. Um, but, but what Jesus does is says the seed of murder is found in all of us. And it's found in our angry moments that that, that is a seed that can lead uh, to relational death. Now, not, not literally murder in the sense we kill somebody, but where relationships fall is at the place of anger. It really starts with anger. So that's what Jesus is getting at here, using the sixth commandment as a, as a directional arrow to go straight to the hearts of our anger. And anger progresses. It, starts, it can start small with that thought, that, murder, that murderous thought and this analogy. And it starts small, and then it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And for someone like me, it might explode, and something might get thrown or broken. You know, when anger does totally yeah. t- takes you over. Uh, just talk a little bit about how anger progresses down a path. You know, Jesus gives us this picture. And, uh, and the, the most important thing is that he, he says that everyone who is angry with his brother. And, and it's important. What, what Jesus is not saying is that we can never be angry about the issues of life. There are things that should make us angry. I, I think of things like abortion should make us angry. Things like uh, social injustices, you know, s- sex slavery, the child labor issues. Th- they should make us angry. Certainly murder, murderers should make us angry. When we hear about murder, it should anger us. When we watch the news and see something that is unjust, Anger is a normal human response, but G- but Jesus takes it one step further. And says everyone is going to feel that, but when you have anger against your brother, and and the manuscript goes on to say without a cause, when there's not really a reason behind it that makes sense. And so I say to people all the time, you might have a you might have a reason to be angry, but do you have a right then to let that anger take you where it's going to go? And that's what Jesus really talks about. So there's anger, and by the way, that anger can come out in a lot of different ways, can it? Um, you know, just think about some of the ways you've seen anger in our culture. I, I, I like to label it different ways. You know, in psychology world, they label it. You know, some people are like the Incredible Hawk, right? They get angry and rah, they explode. And then whatever comes next makes them more angry. 
uh, some are like a teapot, you know, and they get steamed up and then all of a sudden they make a noise. And, you know, others are like a, a landmine, right? You're walking around them. You don't know when it's going to go off. There, there are these images. We can, you know, a surgeon who's ready to, to cut and sarcasm, uh, their anger comes out in words like that. What Jesus gives here is this progression of how it happens. What, whatever way you react, this is how it happens. All of us react differently. For some, they throw us up and, you know, they get, they explode. For others, they go silent, right? They give the silent treatment. Uh, I, I read one what place. Are you? Um, I've already said I'm the throw. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a verbal person. So for me, I get, I, I would say if I had to label a few of them, the teapot, landmine, the hawk, uh, the diabolical surgeon, I think I'm, I'm the diabolical surgeon, meaning I'm going to win the verbal battle by making points that, um, and it's not necessarily sarcasm with me. It's these cutting points that you can't come back on. And so there's the argumentative side of me that takes anger and now says, okay, you want to go there? I'm going to rip you apart um, with words. So that's, that's me. Um, and I've had to guard from that because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so it's dangerous. Jesus here gives that, you know, this, this progression. He says, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable judgment. And then he says, uh, but whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council Supreme Court. And he says, whoever says you fool, there's a progression here. The progression is we're angry. Then it comes out in insults. The word there, raka, is the word kind of like worthless or useless. It's, it's, um, it, it's, it's literally, it literally has the idea of, of putting somebody in their place where it, it's, it's saying you don't really belong here or, or, your your the word numbskull comes to mind. It's empty. You're empty. Your mind's empty. You don't have anything to offer to the argument. And so there's insults. You're worthless. You're an in. You know you're you're a you know the word idiot comes to mind. And I don't really like that word, but it is the word by definition. It's the idea you don't have anything to add. And then it goes from there as it by the way begins to be where we start to judge character to then you fool. Now for us in our culture we say fool and it's not a big deal, but in their culture fool was the ultimate expression of cursing them because what you're really saying is they are absolutely worthless they don't add anything to life uh it would be better if they just even weren't alive they're they're it's vilification it's character assassination happening when we call somebody a fool they're morally a base that is the idea in fact the word is the word moros moros which is where we get our word moron and it, it literally has the idea of saying they're unregenerate and unwilling to come to any salvation it's it's saying they're gone they're too far gone they, they're worthless. At that point, we begin to play God. We now have so identified their character by our own terms that we've basically, we played a funeral in our mind. Our anger has gone from a reaction to now we're actually having relational death with that person. And Doug, I don't know if you've seen this in our, in, you know, the world today. I don't know. How have you seen relational death happen by anger? Yeah, you know, we say things, people can say things, and you can't take them back. Once those words leave your mouth, you talked about that, like that surgeon that cuts, those words can really wound, and you can certainly apologize, and you should, but that's going to change that relationship. People are going to remember that wounding for a while. So, you know, anger, it can run deep, it can take a long time to undo what happened in one argument or one fight when you said something that you that you didn't mean or you meant part of it yeah. and it's just it's just toxic for a relationship it's interesting the bible doesn't talk a lot about anger 
but it does talk a lot about our tongues because the reaction of anger, anger not being the wrong, right? It's not a wrong emotion, but when it crosses the line, it becomes verbal. And that's where the sin happens. It happens in our tongues and our reactions. And you're right. You know, uh, the word sticks and stones, the phrase sticks and stones, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a lie. Words hurt. And anger is what brings out some of the worst words we can speak to people. And the Bible tells us to be slow to anger, yeah. you know, and, and um, anger is a warning sign, you know, yeah. or it's an alarm that goes off. And, and uh, I like to think of it as a, as a stop sign, that red, yellow, green, because I don't usually go, you know, from one right to, you know, from green to red. There's that little bit of that warning sign, that yellow. And I say I have th- maybe three seconds to make a decision if I'm going to go off or not go off. Right. And I need to be able to to know myself well enough to feel that feeling kind of bubbling up the yeah. teapot, the Hulk, any of those. But then what do I do with it when I sense that I'm going from green to yellow and I'm heading towards red, what can I do? Yeah, you know, Jesus gives us uh, kind of a little illustration. He says, so if you're you're giving an offering, uh, a gift at the altar, and remember that your brother has something against you. The implication is that your brother knows that you've let anger go go down a course, and so they have something against you. Leave your, your gift at the altar and go get right with your brother. Be reconciled to him. Come to terms quickly with your brother, your accuser, while you're going to court with him. So the, he uses court language. He says, hey, your brother has an issue. He's taking you to court over it. Leave the offering. If you're in worship, leave the offering and go take care of the, the situation with your brother. And, and that's anger. Anger is a warning sign. It's, it's like you said, it's a siren going off, off saying something is wrong. Something is bothering us. And we need to take a step to get it right. And what the scripture tells us over and over again is when we start to get angry, we need to immediately take care of that anger. Uh, Ephesians 4, 26, it says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun set on your anger uh, so that it becomes uh, accusations and verbal assaults and reactions. Take care of it immediately. So he says here, pay the payment, pay whatever it takes. Give anger a short life. Don't let it go too long. Uh, otherwise, it will eat you from the inside out and will come out of you in reaction. And so he kind of he talks about this and says, hey, this warning sign is meant for you to respond in the right way. Um, and then uh, when we do cross the line, and, and I think we do well to analyze, why do we have anger? What do we do with it? Where did it come from? What is it that is so important that in this moment, I'm ready to lose it? And I, I don't know about you, Doug, but nine times out of 10, when I stop and analyze my anger, it's it's embarrassing. It's silly. It's prideful. Yeah, it's silly and, and prideful. Yeah, it's 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 really not worth the the reaction I'm going to give it. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but anger a lot of times comes in tired moments, exhausted moments. And so if I can analyze that, if I can stop the anger and then analyze, why do I have this anger? Usually now I can turn and say, this really isn't going to be worth the reaction I'm about ready to give it. And then in those moments where we do cross the line to say we're sorry, I, I think we seek forgiveness and we give forgiveness. Uh, those two things are so important when it comes to anger. And I think a lot of times when people are angry with a coworker, someone that lives in their home, the other person doesn't even know what they're doing is making the person angry and then it blows up. So that communication going to your brother yeah. right away and, and not letting that the sun go down on your anger, you know, getting it right, right away, clearing the air and, and communicating openly and honestly really can solve that anger from a small, something small becoming a big major deal. That's right. Yeah. Um, how is anger an opportunity for faith? It kind of sounds kind of strange to say my anger could actually be an opportunity. Yeah. If it's true that anger is a normal reaction, and, and Doug, I would even say a divine given reaction, right? If you're not angry, 
then there's something wrong with you when it comes to righteousness. If there aren't things in this life that make you angry, then you got to check whether you're seeing justly. If you're loving righteousness, right? There is unrighteousness in our world that should make us angry. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is confronting anger with a brother without cause, a personal relationship. Um, anger is an opportunity for faith. What do I mean by that is, is anger is an opportunity for us to give over whatever it is that's making us anger, angry to the hands of God.